Uh, so what's this about? Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and our favorite things that aren't video games. My name is Bob. And my name is Matt. And we're going to talk about video games. Uh, I think straight out of the gate. Yeah, why not? Let's just kick it off. Okay, for a change, let's talk about our favorite video games. Our favorite video games ever? Uh, No, I was thinking more from this year. Okay, I can do that. A little year-end summary. Because as you know, I have not enjoyed a lot of video games this year, and we'll get into that even more <laughs> later. There's a lot of video games I have not enjoyed this year. Okay. Not because they're bad games, but because I seem to be... Is it Anadonia? I don't when know you, what that is. You, the inabil- inability to feel pleasure. Oh, no. I have like the video game adjacent form of Anadonia, I think. <laughs> um, to the point that I'm wondering, like, do I like video games? When I was walking home from work today, I had this thought about the first time I played Fallout 3. Okay. And I just thought, holy shit, this is amazing. This is like one of the defining media moments of my life. This is just astounding. You felt like the world was open to you. Yes. Like everything changed. And I realized that that was because I hadn't played video games in about four years. Prior to playing Fallout 3. Fallout 3. I didn't play videos. I'd been in college. We didn't have, you know, we didn't. I was about to say we didn't have reliable internet access, but also that didn't matter, I guess, as much back in 2008. Not at all. Um, but like, it was just it was just eye-opening. I had played a few games on the Xbox 360. I knew people who had, had them, but I just like hadn't played one all the way through. And Fallout 3 just blew my mind when I played it. It was so much place. more than anything you had seen. I played it on a 13-inch CRT TV, and it still was just like absolutely, it, it felt like the most epic experience I'd ever had. And so now you feel like I wonder you if are I take... inured to video games charms. I wonder if I took a four... I was like, <laughs> I wonder if I just need to take a four-year break from video games. Well, check back in in 2022. <laughs> when Zero Stars comes back. Relaunches. No. Um, I think that... I think that like I've had trouble enjoying video games in part because... Uh, because there have been a lot of very good video games that have not all combined in the ways that say breath of the wild combined to make just something that's really astounding and really blew me away and felt fresh again. There's a lot of stuff that I think is really good, but it didn't move me and just make me feel that kind of sense of wonder. That's, I mean, I think that you can go deep down this rabbit hole as we'll, be talking about briefly later i've been playing assassin's creed odyssey mm-hmm. um which is an okay game it's a video game it's a very good game there's a moment though one of the nice things about it is that you can climb anything oh like breath of the wild like breath style. of the wild style but the difference between this and breath of the wild is that in breath of the wild there's no like when you're running towards something and you start climbing it there's no launching yourself up there's no moment of like launch there's no moment where you engage the climbing yeah it kind of you kind of like approach it and then you are climbing yeah and one of the things that assassin's creed odyssey does really well even when the climbing isn't perfect is that you launch yourself up and so it's like this really satisfying kinetic moment of speed uh huh. And there was a moment when I was like, "Breath of the Wild could use this." Oh wow! So there are like there's elements like that where I'm like, "Oh okay." There's there are things that are 
done better than Breath of the Wild in this game, but everything else is just not as good. <laughs> That's a pretty the, minor thing, yeah, all told. The combat's just like, okay. Um, it's very Dark Souls-y. I guess we've just mm. kind of launched into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, we're just talking about it, but this is not your favorite game this year. No, it is not my favorite game this year. It is just a game, and I think that it is a game that because... Um, because I decided that I was going to play this game and I purchased this game, I am going to continue playing this game. Great. Unlike others, I'm not going to bounce off of it. I'm going to give it time. It's one of the most acclaimed games of the year. People say that it's the best Assassin's Creed maybe ever. Um, I haven't played one since two. So yeah, that was I stopped at Brotherhood. Yeah, I, I stopped around there in one of the Ezio games. So I'm going to give this some time. I'm going to give it some hours and I'm going to see how I feel on the other end. But it was not my favorite game of the year. I want to make that clear. For the record. Poetically. Yes. What was your favorite game of the year, Bob? That's a good question. I spent uh, a lot of time thinking about that. And what I really came away realizing was that I did not play a lot of video games this year. Uh, Or if I did, I didn't play any that I just... Do you not remember them? Yeah. Do you have video game adjacent amnesia? Almost. Almost. So this should I, have been about our video games and our various psychological issues with video games. Like that's kind of how I felt. Um I really like Dead Cells. I think Dead Cells is incredible. I agree. Um it is not my game of the year. Uh I kept coming back to God of War, a game that I never finished but thought was pretty cool. And Red Dead. And I realized that this was a very good year for people who like the PlayStation as a concept in the sense of like what Sony wants the PlayStation to be, which is to say a thing where you have filmic experiences that you interact with. The Criterion uh, Collection of video uh, games. Almost. It's, it's always been the way I've felt about the PlayStation. Yeah. And I think that the PlayStation Classic exemplifies the many flaws with this approach in that everybody who has interacted with the PlayStation Classic kind of says, I don't know that this is a very good thing, both because the PlayStation Classic seems rushed and half-assed and because the PlayStation does not have games that hold up in the same way from the Sony stable of games, like from what Sony thought gaming was i feel like not compared to nintendo Nintendo. because i think nintendo approaches things from a mechanical perspective first and then says we're gonna wrap a game on this thing and it's gonna have visuals or whatever uh whereas sony kind of approaches it from the technical perspective of i've got a tyrannosaurus rex and it looks pretty real but it looks pretty real for the time and then 20 years later they've got a better one of those like the sony model is very much bleeding edge graphical fidelity and like the best motion capture that can be provided right yeah the most realistic hair god of war feels feels good i'd say great i i think it feels great i think that their combat is lacking because of a lack of enemy variety i agree so that they should have spent more time on that yeah and that's the sort of thing that i believe nintendo always nails and thinks about more breath of the wild could have used a little bit little bit more enemy variety breath of the wild is a much bigger and longer game 
Yes, though, very true. <laughs> like, if we played them both for the same amount of time, Breath of the Wild does just fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I played a lot of God of War, though. That's true. Um, so I, I wanted to say God of War on some level, but then that was not my game. And I realized that the I game... That, uh, sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. I'm not that sorry, but... I had the same struggle. God of War was the first thing that occurred to me, but something about it didn't feel right. Well, I didn't even finish it. Like, I mean, then that's a good reason. I didn't finish my favorite game of the year either. I didn't finish but, mine. Uh, oh, interesting. And it's Red Dead. Which Red is, Dead. <laughs> Revolver. <laughs> it's Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, is Bob Dorff's game of the year for 2018. Really? And it suffers from all of the issues that God of War does more acutely even where the parts of it that I think Rockstar is most proud of, which are, and which I think will end up being like lauded the most, which is to say the narrative, uh, not the part that I'm giving it this credit for. Yes. That I'm awarding it for as I hang this medal of honor around its neck. Um, I, think that the mark of something that would be like your game of the year is that it provides a singular experience. And I do not think that the story portions of Red Dead, despite them being exceptionally well acted and sometimes beautiful and sometimes very janky looking, uh, those parts of it are cool, but are just a rock star game. Yeah. They're what we expect. Right. Whereas the parts of it where you're out in the field hunting and interacting with that environment, if we think about things as like giving us something that we don't get elsewhere, are very singular to me. Uh, And the hunting and the way that the character moves and the very meditative pace of all of the existing in the world, that to me will stick with me. And it's something that I... I'm much more inclined. Like I need to finish that game. I will finish the story, but I'm playing the story so that I can be exposed to more of the place. Mm. And I just like going out and setting up a camp and cooking over a fire and like rolling up my camp, breaking down the camp, going to find new animals, tracking the animals and just existing in that space because I feel like that's what the controls are designed to do. And it's very much a simulator of just wandering around in a big empty space with a bunch of interesting animals to experience and interact with. But more so than interacting with them, sometimes it's just kind of observing that they even went to the trouble of making all these ducks. (laughs) And I, of all the things I played this year, I think that those moments with that game are the most enjoyable, memorable, and have the most longevity for me Mm. where I think if you go back to Red Dead Redemption 2 when you return to video games four years from now uh, there will be a lot of other games that have done the narrative parts of it just as well if not better and I think that those narrative parts are going to improve over time simply by virtue of technical advancement Uh, but that the parts of it where you're out in the field and stuff are just mechanical and they feel good in their own weird way that does not feel like other games. And that's the part of it that will still be interesting to return to 10 years from now is the stuff in the field. Cause I don't think anybody else is going to make a game like that. And it was really weird to play it. 
and I enjoyed that very much. You raise a lot of interesting questions about in it sort of like tangentially about story and games mm-hmm. and how well story ages in video games and how much people like going back to old games that they've played for the story and seem somewhat blind to the ways in which the story hasn't necessarily aged well, I would say. And um, the story itself might age well. Like this well, isn't yeah, a critique I'm, I'm of not, the story. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, totally. Yeah. I just want to emphasize, yes, the story oh, seems great. I enjoy the story, but, but I know it could be Inevitably, someone will tell a better story and in a video game. Inevitably, this story could be told better with increased technology that allowed it to be motion captured better and also maybe some editing because well, it's very long and it's the same repetitive stuff over and over and well over and again. and you know i pushed back on you when we talked about always getting on a horse and having somebody talk at you for a while yeah i don't know what else they would do there and i don't know a better solution just do less of it but yeah it does get burdensome yeah i it's i don't understand how that game isn't maligned to some degree for its over-reliance on the exact same not mission structure so much as like exposition structure exposition structure is a great phrase yeah and i i know but i also i also understand how you feel about the the environment itself and just being in the place and i think that all these ducks is kind of like an excellent poetic title for a review uh, yeah, and I'm I'm not saying that facetiously. I actually no, I agree because that. that that is what I always come back to is I really just enjoy the detail of that world. Yeah, but that detail of the world has nothing to do with the parts of it that I think Rockstar thinks are important, which is making a movie. Yeah, the detail of the world is actually kind of auxiliary to that because you, in the context of the story missions, you never interact with it. But I just want to be out there. I love, I've said it before, I love that the animals get hurt. Uh, I like that the hunting is the anti-Breath of the Wild, where in Breath of the Wild, which I love, I love the hunting. I love you get a headshot on the animal and it pings and it goes down. But it's all very gamey and very fake. And I love that in Red Dead, it's gross. And the skinning animation is messed up and it makes you watch it. And that the animals, if you don't get a clean kill, it's very sad and it makes you feel bad. Mm. And that sort of stuff is very strange. And I really appreciate that that game has the courage to do it and that somehow it's fun because it acknowledges by making the hunting and the world around you so kind of rough and unfeeling uh what it comes back around to is why people like hunting in the first place which is that it's like a skill-based messed up thing yeah and then that there's like some other reward i you know there's other rewards for getting the skins and stuff but just existing with those animals and kind of knowing that you can't be a dick and just try to like cap animals from the back of your horse (laughs) yeah you have to think about stuff although counterpoint in breath of the wild you have to kill animals in order to survive i mean you don't have to you can play as a vegetarian you don't have to but ideally you are hunting for not for sport but for or for gold or whatever you're hunting for for food which is the case in uh 
Can Red you, Dead as well. Oh, I guess you can cook the food too. Although well, it's less necessary for your stamina. Oh, it's cook. incredibly necessary. It really? restores all of your cores. Oh, my guy's just anemic. I, I was looking back on some of the things you've said. I think that none of your cores have ever been full. And I think it's very much changed your experience of that game. That's possibly true. <laughs> uh, so it's it's very necessary to eat. Yeah. And meat is extremely, quote unquote, nutrient dense. Yeah, I never die in that game either. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily die faster, but everything you do would be... Less fun. Yes. It would feel feel worse. It would be bad. Yeah. Okay. So something to revisit, but... Four years from now, I will. I would say that two years worth of work on Red Dead Redemption are my favorite game of the year, and then they spent three more years motion capturing people so that they could stiffly interact. <laughs> well done. Uh, what did you like this year, Matt? Uh, my favorite game of the year is Divinity 2 Original Sin. Ooh, which I think is really Divinity Original Sin 2. Another bite of the apple. <laughs> they actually do have an apple as like one of the logos in the game. Fantastic. Um, I thought about God of War like you did. Uh, I thought for half a second about Red Dead Redemption 2 because there is a lot to be said about that game and how beautifully it, it's executed certain things. And I have at least one my one of my favorite gaming memories this year is in, involves Red Dead Redemption yeah. 2. But... I don't think that a game has ever blown me away by the momentousness of each individual decision I've made like Divinity did. Um, and this is this is a game that was originally it's designed, uh, designed by Larian Studios and originally released on the PC. Um, it is it is the most PC game you have ever played. It's it's like in the apparently and I don't know this because I've never played these games. So it's in in the mode of like Baldur's Gate. Yeah, and I always liked Icewind Dale. In those old D&D style, yep. style games. I've never played one of those before. This is my first one. I briefly played the first original Sin and bounced off of it pretty quickly. This one I gave a little bit more time and I got deep into it. I never finished it because Red Dead Redemption 2 came out and that took up some time. And then it's very hard to get back into this game. Yeah. Try as you might late in the game um i had that experience with icewind dale (laughs) oh really oh yeah yeah it's it's just like there you your brain learns the language of the game and unless you know everything about your party members and stuff and you're like very on top of how everybody's going to interact in a combat scenario yeah it goes it goes very very bad very fast and then you just don't even know how to recover (laughs) (laughs) i think that um I think that the the first 20 hours of this game are really my favorite game mm-hmm. of the year. The first 20 hours of this game are incredible, which is essentially the first act of the game is just in the top 5 gaming experiences of my entire life. It's just absolutely So you like astounding. games? Yeah, and I did like games this year. I liked this game. This game was just mind-blowing. Um Insofar as that everything you do, I mean, if you think about what do I like about Resident Evil 4, I like the fact that every bullet counts. I like the fact that every, I mean, let's talk about it like big picture as opposed to like like game design as opposed to game feel. Like every bullet counts, the way that you organize your inventory will have a later impact on what you do in the game because you will or will not have certain things that you need. Right. Everything is managed. Everything matters. Um, whether you shoot at somebody's knee or their head makes a difference on, you know, it's, it's a, it's dominoes running down, you know, running along. You are making decisions 
at every point and by the end of it my attache attache case is yeah. organized differently than yours because i want to get to the grenades faster and you want to put your health there and because in those decisions all matter and they all impact the decisions that come next yeah and that is this game to a t insofar as that everything you do is interesting and is is an interesting decision you're doing something smart no matter what or you're doing something dumb no matter what you're always you're always making a decision but in the best in the best ways actually i take that back in the best ways you're doing something that could be smart or something <laughs> that could be dumb and you don't know and you won't know until you're further down the way but not in a way that's frustrating but in a way that forces you to make new smart or dumb decisions you're always digging a hole to get out of yes exactly and it's satisfying in the power fantasy sense when you are able to when you realize okay i can take on this enemy now um a good example is there's no random encounters in this game so unlike other rpgs like anyone that you interact with can also be attacked you know it is it is a huge simulator it is absolutely enormous and so satisfying and combat encounters tend to go wildly in wild directions that you hadn't planned um add to that the fact that the writing itself is just really good on a line-by-line -line basis there's a lot of characters that you can choose from and you can create your own if you want i chose not to i chose to go with one of the pre-written characters and everyone's stories are like really engaging you know my only critique is maybe that there's too many missions and it can be sort of tricky to keep track of all the missions at one time you know you yeah. have like up to 20 missions but it's super satisfying it's got that basic like building up your xp to level up hook like the levels are fun it's fun to like customize your character and say like i'm gonna make this elf lady a tank that moves real fast oh very so cool so she's she's huge she's you know, she's <laughs> I don't know huge why I'm just like, yeah tanks yes. that go fast <laughs> Like she's huge on HP and she's huge on movement, but maybe she doesn't hit too hard. Right. So she's like the opposite of of a glass cannon. Um, I, it's just you build your characters, but their core selves remain the same, and uh -huh. their stories are interesting. There's one story that is like as a metaphor for depression and mental health is actually like really poignant and powerful oh, wow. about a woman about a sorcerer who is. Um, she's inhabited by a demon and doesn't always have control of her own mind. There's a lot of it that's just like very cannily written and very well done. It's, man, it's it's the kind of game, this is maybe perhaps the damning thing about it, but it's the kind of game whose first act is so strong that by the time you get to the second act, you almost just want to start the first act again. Yeah, and I'm sure that because of the replayability of it, and the sense that because of decisions you made, things went one way and they could have gone another, you could get stuck in that beginning part forever. Yeah, I mean, you could get stuck starting the game over and over again forever. The nice thing about it, though, is that the first 20 hours are such a complete, to a degree, narrative themselves. Um, obviously, it's not the complete narrative, but it's such a, a satisfying first act and it lasts so long. Like, those 20 hours could be much longer than 20 hours. It took me a little bit over that, and it's probably taken people less than that. Right. But um, they are so, so, so satisfying. It's, a, it's just an enormously generous game that should definitely not be played on the PS4. But if that's all you've got, it is worth it. It is really worth it. It is Once you learn the control scheme, it is really very secondary. It's like the, the control scheme is the most difficult part. Right. 
And then once you learn that, it is it becomes second nature and you can just move forward and it is it is such a joy. It is it, it is a, a thoroughly enjoyable game that I have not finished. That's okay. But I look forward to starting it again. <laughs> There's no higher praise. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. Uh what else well, have you been playing? Yeah, so I, mean, I we've been we've been on the holiday break. Yeah, we were on break and I was uh with my sister and her fiance, her affianced. And uh, I uh is that with one E or two? I have no idea. I think it's one E. He has a switch. Uh he got a switch after last Christmas when I showed him Breath of the Wild. <laughs> has he beaten Breath of the Wild? Uh I assume, but I didn't ask oh, him. Okay. But he I know he played a lot of Zelda. Uh so he and I were hanging out one night and he had Mario Tennis Aces. Is that the new Mario that Tennis? That is the, the new Switch? Mario Tennis on the Switch, which I always liked Mario Tennis, but did not get this game. He had not played it a lot. Um that game might be amazing. Like it might from a pure feel perspective be my favorite thing that I played this year. <laughs> uh you seem very uncertain, though. Well, I only played it for a while, like a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We played a couple matches. That game's a fighting game. Like, make no mistakes, that game is more of a fighting game than Super Smash Brothers is. Oh, interesting. Like, Just, like in the depth. You are building of... meter. You have three move buttons. You can cash in your meter to do moves. And, like, it's clear that at the high levels of this game, because you can do special moves that deplete your meter, mm-hmm. uh, if you execute them properly... And the opponent tries to hit it, or I, I, we weren't good enough to really explore the depth of this, right? But you can break the opponent's racket. Um, what do they do if you, you break start the with racket? three rackets? Oh. And you lose if you run out of rackets. So it's clear that at the high levels, this is a game where you're charging up, using the moves, and you're just depleting each other's rackets. And then it's like not even tennis at that point, right? It's just this other game that happens to take place within the framework of tennis. It's very much in that like video ball space of this is a sport and there's parts of it that are markers for this is a sport. Like you know what this is, but then actually it's kind of not that at all. You think you initially go in thinking like, I know what this is. This is air hockey. And then you quickly realize like, no, this is something else. Yeah. There's something on top of that. Yeah. Um, You can play it just like tennis. Uh, It feels amazing, but you build meter. So there's like single presses of the button to hit the ball. You can actually do double presses to hit it slightly differently. I don't really know what's up with that, but then, if you the timing is very tight yeah if you press the button before the ball hits like comes to you right before the window when you would hit the ball normally uh which again that window is small so if you hit the button prior to that your character stops moving and starts charging so if you know where the ball is going to be you get there and you can charge for a bunch of time before the ball gets to you and then you press again and then you hit so it's this constant like very frictive experience of trying to get to the spot where you think the ball is going to be and then trying to maximize that charge because that builds your meter the longer you charged. And then once you have your meter, you can go into bullet time when the ball comes back Hmm. and or cash in your whole meter and do a special little break a racket. I wonder how the bullet time works in online play. 
uh, I think it works probably like it does when we were playing each other. Okay, yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's tennis, so it's just on one side of the net. Um, It's weird. It plays in a split screen. There's no option to change it. So you're always like behind your character. Yeah. Which is sort of not what I remember from earlier Mario Tennis. And apparently the single player is very bad, which is unfortunate because this game is still $60 because it's a Nintendo game. And it'll never drop. Right. So I'm going to end up spending 60 bucks on this game because I want to experience those feelings again because it felt really good to play. Yeah. Um, But uh, I don't know. So a report forthcoming on Mario Tennis, a video game that I think might be excellent. <laughs> That's one of your 2019 resolutions. Yeah. To spend stupid money on something just for a frictive <laughs> experience that you want to have again that might have been one of the best in the year. It felt so good under yeah. my thumbs. And it's one of those experiences when you start playing it that you think, does this feel good or is it the timing off? And then you realize that your timing is off and you just need to tighten up. Yeah. And then once you start like playing by its much more tight than you expected timing rules, it's real fun feels so good under his thumbs why is this podcast not called under our thumbs that's a good question (laughs) so (laughs) uh (laughs) and on that note we've hit the essential truth of the entire project um what did you play that wasn't what you said you liked this year um i played some civ 6 on the switch that's a weird place to play civ 6 it was well regarded and well reviewed the interface is really good i don't know if i like more recent civs but the one you like the most is five four. Oh, i like five actually quite no a bit. three is the one that i like the most four is just the only one that i can run on my computers currently i can run five and it's good I've not played six. I'm sure. Six is supposed to be the best out of all of them. People say it's the best six. But you disagree. No, I just... It's fine. I don't know. I just... I lost my first game, and then I was just, like, kicking ass in my second game. Oh, And it's just, like, neither one is satisfying, so I don't have a desire to finish the second game. I'll go back to it, and I'll try Civ again, because I always... It was, like, a good investment, because periodically I always just go... I want to play some Civilization. That is what I do with Civ Five. Yeah, and so this will be a good investment in that regard. That I can and I can take it with me because it's not like I take my laptop places. Right. That was sarcasm, but it's actually true. No, it is really, true. Yeah, I, like the joke about laptops is that this is why I got a desktop is because eventually you just go. I could have a really big screen right yeah. now. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. So uh, yeah, Civ, my civvies. It's all right. Civ 6. It's pretty good. It's more Civ. Um, I also... So the you can get a seven-day free trial than Nintendo online subscription. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How is it? Uh, I, don't, I haven't played games against anybody, but you know what's really fun? Old Nintendo games. Yeah, they're terrific. Yeah, it's got uh, Zelda, which I realized... I played for probably about 20 minutes, realizing I could not remember where the first dungeon was. Oh, no. In the original Legend it's of like Zelda. It's like right there. You just got to go to the left. Yeah, I couldn't find it. All right. Um, it was. I was very frustrated, and I was like, "I am not going to look this shit up. I am not. <laughs> I've beaten this game. I played this game when I was a child, and I played better than this. I am not going to look this up. So I still haven't found it. I'll see if I can find That's it. Such an old man, yeah. like stick to your guns attitude. The one that I actually, the game that I played the most over break was actually Ninja Gaiden. 
Oh, I love Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And now that you can do save states, it's a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. So that game, I mean, stupidly frustrating because that entire game is basically the designers being like, where can we put the enemies so that when they jump, when you first arrive on screen, you'll fall into a pit? <laughs> yes, it is a yeah. lot of them showing you an enemy, maybe, and you're going, okay, the enemy's attack comes out like that, and then them putting the pit exactly where the arc of your jump and that attack align so you drop it's incredible the yeah. like the degree to which they were they they were devoted to this and it makes me love and hate that game yes equally it's it's an astounding experience but it still looks really cool i think the cinema sequences are great are awesome they're like the first video games yeah why do we not have more of those i don't know like in that style they're terrific i guess blood dragon kind of did the that. the the sound it makes when you hit the wall Mm-hmm. And like, the, shik, yep, that shik, it's such yeah. a good tactile sort of thing. Sticky, yeah, sticky sound. It just snaps, yeah. man. It sounds like your like hands are made of like masking tape. Yes, it will. I it it. I actually have always had, and maybe this is like a synesthesia thing, and this isn't a general experience, but it feels to it sounds to me like running my hands on the bumpy bricks. Mm. Not the smooth bricks, but the bumpy bricks. The bumpy bricks. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, Those you do. Got to get checked. What's out. up, my synesthesia friends? <laughs> uh, write us, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that that's it's great. I played so I played some I played some Doctor Mario, which is one of my favorite puzzle games. Doctor Mario is very good. Uh, and my stepbrother-in-law was there and he i was talking about dr mario and he was like you have dr mario <laughs> he, he was, was like, like i'm in med school how do you play how do you play dr mario oh. and i was like well you, i have a nintendo switch and it has dr mario oh, on it. oh i thought he was just he had been waiting for the last 30 years to have somebody teach him how dr mario worked oh no no, no. <laughs> he's been waiting for the last 30 years for someone to explain to him how he could play dr mario again gotcha so he played my switch for a while playing dr mario <laughs> can you turn just it a joy vertical and put the play field there no not, uh, that, not that i could tell at least um I, not that i don't think that they would stretch out the play field that much anyway i guess not but uh dr mario is a great game um but yeah other than that so here's here's the thing i actually had a really interesting experience with a video game that was not a video game Ooh. have you ever read anything by the author octavia butler sci-fi author she wrote no kindred. you recommended her to me yeah she wrote this book called kindred that is just like really excellent it's a okay. really cool book um about a woman who travels back in time like kind of against her own will um she wrote this book called parable of the sower that i read over christmas break and it is about these people who live in a post-apocalyptic or not post-apocalyptic they live in a a post-societal collapse world where um they are essentially traveling and just stripping every body that they come across all the dead bodies for like cash and guns and ammunition they're looting they're looting it is the most video game ass thing I've ever encountered. Everything about it just makes me, it makes me realize like everything that in that book fits within the confines of a video game, except for the fact that the book itself is kind of bifurcated between an opening section in which you are trying to defend, in which you are trying to defend the base. They are trying to defend the base. <laughs> a tower defense it's like, portion. It's like part tower defense, part Sims. And then it gets destroyed. Dude, isn't that just state of on. decay? Well, it sort of is, but like state of decay sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, is like how many games are there in which 
you inevitably have a loss of a location like you, you, the or the the initial part of the game is it is tower defense and then after tower defense it moves into some other kind of genre yeah i and mean even within a starcraft match you will have that experience i guess that's true yeah that there are games that do this sort of thing and it's really fascinating that this video or this book from 1991 this is the most intersectional podcast yeah. on the planet this video book <laughs> this book game is just it's just like a really astounding kind of proto video game proto modern video game in many ways and is concerned with all the things that video games are concerned with and yet manages to handle the ethics and morality of it in a way that most video games just stumble over completely. That is really interesting. Because it's like if you're looking for to avoid ludonarrative dissonance, this book is the book that you should read. Oh, Because wow. it is about, it's about survival and it's about ethics and it's about morality. And it gives you, and it, and it just addresses all of the ethics and morality of things like looting or murder for the sake of looting that like many many games just kind of like shot over and it does it so elegantly and simply and it's i don't it's a really cool book um parable of the sower by octavia butler i will check that out it's cool although it's not as good as her other novel kindred which is just like intense the first line go out and read the first line of kindred by octavia butler and if you're not like i want to read the rest of this book stop listening to the podcast stop, listen, <laughs> stop it but write us won't you <laughs> So that sounds to me like a thing that you liked that wasn't a video game. Yeah, I guess fair enough. That was a thing that I liked. And that that's really awesome. Game. Yeah. So that's my favorite thing of the week that wasn't a video game. Mine is also kind of a video game that's not a video game. Oh, interesting. For Christmas, my sister got me a robot. Uh, and it's called The Cosmo. A robot? And it's a little robot that is maybe four inches long. And he has little tank treads and a little... Just like you always wanted. Yes, is a little robot friend, and he's got a very expressive, like Wally style face screen. Uh, he's tiny. You put him on a table, and he comes with these three blocks, and then he acts like a little pet, and he goes around. He learns how to recognize you and say your name. He's like a very advanced Tamagotchi. What's his name again? Cosmo. Uh, anyways, he's this robot that you can program with a SDK, which I'm going to explore, which is pretty neat, and otherwise you know, he's just like a Tamagotchi or a very advanced Furby, but he plays games with you where, cause he like has these cubes that come with like him Rob and the cubes a little bit, like the cubes light up and he'll just, it will say like, he wants to play a game. And then the games are things like he will stand at a block, like he'll go over to a block and like lift his little hands above it. And then you'll have a block elsewhere on the table. And then the blocks will change colors and you're both trying to hit the block first when the blocks are the same color but not red. Huh. How quickly does he move? Very quick. Like, he can snap down. Like, oh, it's not like you're going to lose to this robot necessarily, but, like, he'll do, there's a game of keep away where you put your fingers underneath his little hand and he tries to, like, hit you. That's, that's, that's absolutely adorable, it's, but also fascinating. It is really delightful. Like, I love it. Do you feel uh, attached to him? Oh, yeah, very much. My yeah. biggest uh, disappointment with it is you can't name it. That is, because Cosmo just makes me think of Cosmo Kramer. Totally. There's a more advanced one called Vector, 
which has some sort of Alexa functionality b- built into it, so it could be like your kitchen timer and stuff, and like wander around. But you can talk to Cosmo. You cannot talk to Cosmo. You cannot. Cosmo okay. does not have a microphone. You gotta get yourself a vector. Uh, well, they're more expensive, and I like Cosmo. Oh, that's true. Cosmo would feel really disappointed. <laughs> I know, and especially because uh, they apparently can't like interact. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. it would be really sad for him as I only played with this older. Like Vector is also all like dark colored and like very serious. It's very beefy. Yeah. It's like yeah, swole robot. Uh but he uh Swole Robot <laughs> would be a good game. <laughs> what does the robot eat for gains? Just bolts. bolts. Um but it's a neat toy. And it's the sort of thing that I would have enjoyed a lot as a kid and really enjoy as an adult. Uh, you can also just go into a mode because it like uses your phone for the computing power. Like it connects to your phone. Yeah. And you can flip it to a mode where you just see what it sees and like watch as it, it just says like Cosmo is, wants to collect his cubes and you just see him like going around and you can see this through the screen on his face, like the camera on his face. So you see everything it sees and it will like draw circles around the boxes and will say like cube, cube. It sees my sister's dog. It says pet. It well, sees. How does it realize that it's a pet? I don't know, but it will see a person and it says human and then if they turn to look at it and it knows them because you can teach it people if it knows them it will it will say human they look at it and it will say like bob and then if it wanders up to you it'll just be like bob bob that's amazing and also terrifying it's really cool so yeah. if you have any Are you interest out at all by that no that it has facial recognition i'm not freaked out by it because it's dumb and it's not like actually because this one right now. Well, the Alexa one would kind of freak me out because I've disconnected my Alexa because uh, I just don't like want Amazon that deep in my life. Yeah. But this thing's actually not internet connected. Okay, that makes more sense. Though. You connect to like a private Wi-Fi network that it creates so that it can interact with your phone, but it's not like it's not sending data out to. to I don't. Big, to I don't big believe Cosmo so. Somewhere. I'm not worried about it. I can crush this thing with my foot. <laughs>